river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 115. So, when last we left our heroic kingdom, you had decimated Irovendi's army into pieces. Yes. Armies into pieces. Yes, I kicked, kicked some ass. Uh, you have slain the wyverns, I believe. I have this in front of me somewhere. Uh, yes, so he has lost... His wyverns, uh, his tiger lord barbarians, his Tuscan raiders, and the river raiders have all suffered horrible accidents of various kinds. Yeah, the, I think the Tuscan raiders just kind of ran away rather than getting killed, whereas the other um, two of the other the other two got killed, and of course the river raiders are quotes dead. Uh, I have crossed them off its sheet because you have act or. You probably haven't actually perceived this yet, but your scouts are literally going to pick them up, moving through the outskirts of Fort Drelev's lands, yeah. and out back up the top of the kingdom, heading towards the Vinespid Mountains again. Yeah, so the giants are gone. Yes. Fuck this noise. Uh, the leader died, among other things, if you yeah. remember. Um, yeah, because one of the other giants killed him. And then they lost, like, three battles in a row. So. Yeah. Uh... You know that he still has the at least the Pythaxian regiment, yeah, a thousand men, and his huge army of um, elites mounted clockwork constructs. Yes, mm-hmm. and you know that's all the armies I know about. Yes. It may not be all the armies he has. Uh, and your running presumption is that he's probably got one more, at least because um, those are all the armies you've seen out and about moving. Yeah. And your general running assumption is Irovidi does not strike you as the sort of man who is going to just leave his kingdom totally undefended while he sends all his armies to attack you. Yeah, well, I mean, among other things, he never sent every single army that he had that I know about north in the first place. Yeah. But I think it's entirely possible he has reserve armies that I haven't been able to spot as yet, because those were mostly... Uh, had either come north to invade or I'd run across them down here or... Although, based on the ones you've seen, you know, which of them was in charge of guarding Pytaxia while the first one attacked? Was it the hill giants on Mastodons, the Tiger Lords, yeah. or the Wyverns? Yeah. Hmm? 
or the guys that he's blackmailing to work for Yeah, yeah I can see why you wouldn't want the river as doing your forlorn hope. So, I believe that that's about where we left it be. I don't know um, what dates were in and that sort of thing. I am digging through to find that information. I have here my army's current hit point totals, which is very useful information. Mm-hmm. Um... And um, it is um, yeah, that's it. So you you've just swept these armies, and yep. I think you were. I'm not sure if you reached a conclusion about whether you wanted to press on to fight tax or pull out. I'm um, leaning towards pull out. Yeah, I was actually going to look at my finances and potentially talk to the council and see if I could afford cool. more. Um, Fighting. I'm also curious as to how far it, it looks like we may have been up to the 19th, but I may not have counted the 19th of Serenth, but I may not have counted, it may be further than that, it may have been another week and I just lost track of the calendar after that point, because it was kind of a very long pitched battle. Do you want me to have a dozy at it? Yeah, no, that's that's right, because we've done the Kingdom Turn of Serenth, we haven't yep. started the Kingdom Turn of Eris this year. Yeah, I knew, I knew we were in Serenth, it was yeah, just... No, I believe it was about three weeks at this point yep. of army activation. Yep. Okay, and so this is where we are. It's, um, I believe, the 19th of Sarath. We've had three weeks of um, pitch fighting. Yep. Um, mostly in um, Eravetti's land, which makes a nice change of pace. Um, we have won some battles. Um, we have the money to press the fight. And now Kaelin needs to figure out what he wants to do about that, considering, um... And, of course, Uruvetis had his armies are as active... Like, I think he was three days into activating his clock... Or yeah, possibly yeah. four days into yeah. activating his clockwork guys and wherever he's at with his other armies. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's no longer a particularly big concern. Like, he'll be done by the time... He'll, he'll be done activating whatever he wants by the time you get back down there. Yeah. Hmm. Presuming that you're not going to send your ultra-fast army to do an incredible lightning strike against their yeah. walls, but it's not a very good idea. Well, among other things, like, that that only heals those two armies... At this point, that only heals those two armies because they're the guys who had a rest break. Yeah. The Avenging Bowman and the Stag Runners are both still hurt. They haven't... They've literally just killed their last dude. They have no, um... They've had no break at all. And that, um... Heal could have that healing rule of my toe. Of them, I think, because that um, make a difference to them. All right. So, um, I think um, the camera having panned over, you know, the victorious armies, the um. Cheering as they drive off the drive off or kill the last of the Tiger Lord barbarians, mm-hmm. the camera pans back to Elk's Rest and to um the and to Castle Thorn where um Kaelin is um and the advisors are sitting around the main council table. Yep. Well, that went a bit better than I was expecting. Beyond our wildest hopes, I would say, since far. Aye, it, it does leave us in a bit of a puzzle, though. Um, I wasn't really planning to try and conquer Pytax yet. I mean, we haven't even scouted it out. I've, I mean, I know which 
roughly where it is, but um, we don't know what defences it can bring to the table or anything of that nature. On the other hand, it does seem a bit of a criminal waste to just... Um, I mean, um, we know full well that Drellid's got ought to have um, armies to spare to um, guard his defences, but that has to have put a pretty, pretty big hole in his defences. So what I'm thinking on is rather than trying to go for all the marbles and actually try and take Pytaxia, uh, is to um, launch a spoiling raid of the kind he's so frequently done for us and possibly ever wander down and um, occupy that visit village of his, Littleton. Or um, cut some of his roads or something of that ilk. But we could um, we could take our we could take our board and go home at this point. We've um, certainly done far better than I was expecting. But um, I wanted to know um, what you thought. Mm. I sort of rests on Val at this point. Yep. Um, and my information slightly behind Val's still your general, isn't he? Val is still my general. I can give you my. Um, Sheet of, sheet, sheet of counsellors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, next kingdom turn, we've got to remember to take a look at whether Mervoy want to swap back um, yeah. counsellors, but we didn't remember to do it this kingdom turn. So they obviously are still getting organised if they do want to. So Denise Thunderhoof will sort of fold her arms, and she says, "When we have an advantage over an enemy, we should press it." Van nods and says, I am inclined to concur, but we do not know what level of defences Pytaxia has. So last is, well, we know they have a palace, strong enough walls strong enough walls to hold up a castle, walls like ours. I think we should expect defences at least on par with what Elk's Rest, at, at least near on par with what Elk's Rest can offer. Um, yeah. A spoiling rage is a good idea, says the need to cut his supply lines, take out his resources. Vaughn again sort of nods at this. There is a lot of merit in that. We also run the risk of finding ourselves overextended. However, if we do not press our advantage, then by next month the Clockwork King will have had sufficient time to find more mercenaries, to hire more mercenaries, form more armies, train more men. Certainly he will do as we would do and immediately put his resources into recovering from this loss. The other thought, an easier target than um, his than his smaller town or certainly than his big city would be the, his local farms. It's um, certainly done a number on our resources and while we don't have white burns, our, our men could do a similar job. Pillaging the countryside doesn't sit over well with me. If we um, manage to survive this war, we're not very likely to leave Pytax to his own devices afterwards, and the, the people aren't likely to be best pleased with us. We can see to it that our men don't um, harm the civilians, but um, people don't take kindly to our, um, their farms being burned about them, or why did we launch this invasion now in the first place? I wanted all of your thoughts, I flick to Michaela, on... Um, whether that that's a wise move. It's certainly a good one in the short term, yeah. but we've got to have an eye to the long term as well. Okay, well, sis, do we have do we have the power to do we have the power to prevent unnecessary deaths? And there's sort of nods from the more military minded people around the table. And Chief Sootscale of all people sort of shakes his head and he says 
You can try. You can try, but there's always going to be some farmer who some farmer who dies defending his land. Aye. If we start burning, people are going to go too. Not saying it's a bad idea. I think we should starve them out. Even if the Clockwood King doesn't need to eat, his people sure do. Sooner or later, if they get hungry enough, they'll overthrow their chief. When things start to go wrong, it's the chief that always gets blamed first. Kaelin <laughs> will laugh. Yeah, uh, you're not you're not wrong about that one. Because it's politically, I think it is highly advantageous to us in the short term. If our intent is to occupy and control Pytaxia in the long term, we may encounter resistance groups angry about such actions. We'll doubtlessly encounter them anyway. Clockwork King is a popular ruler. Aye, and um, his people like him well, as they've re- well, by and large. And there's um, folk, uh, there's, um, Chief Soopscales points out, there's folks who uh, don't like any ruler. But um, it's how much... And, I mean, I suppose the other question is whether they'd be just as angry at us for occupying their town. We're certainly not going to um, stay up north and not evade at all on account of their tender feelings. Yeah, I mean, the, it, like, obviously, um, pretty much everyone's on board with you're going to have to invade Pytaxia at some point to rouse the Clockwork King. Yeah, and I mean, um, we already did, because that's what we're doing down here. At this point, we've only been fighting armies, but we did that because we invaded. There's some heavy debate about your, um, your intent after the fact there. Like, controlling Pytaxia is all sorts of advantageous to you because it's a thriving city full of, you know, banks and stores and economy and blah, blah, blah. Just like everything else, when you take it, your control DCs will go up, but you'll get a big walking pile of stats out of it. Yeah. Um, You are probably going to encounter resistance, however, um, and by that I mean in the form of, like, uprisings and guerrilla groups and that sort of thing as opposed to blatant armies. Yeah, because... Because um, this is the first place you've taken that didn't actively want a change in leadership. Yeah, even um, Drelev, that wasn't necessarily what the people of Fort Drelev wanted but he'd certainly pushed them far enough to the wall that they were ready for a... um, Yeah, you have not had any significant disturbances from Drelev. Yeah. um, From taking over Fort Drelev and you actually haven't had any significant bite back from integrating... um, Van and Centaurs either. I was certainly worried about that, but it doesn't seem to have materialised thus far. And given that we've now gone along this long, the Centaurs yep. and um, Vanling Host must be getting used to each other by now. Very much so. But pretty much everyone who has any sort of nous for this is predicting um, holding Pytax is going to be a pain in the bum. Yeah. On the other hand, um, leaving it to its own devices is presumably um, risky as well. That's very much your decision, and lots of different people on the council will have very different views on that. Um, basically, holding it means you're going to expose yourself to a big uptick in, you know, protests, sabotage, riots, guerrilla fighting, etc., etc. Um, you could burn the entire city to the ground and raise it, resolving that problem. Um, several of your councillors will have strong objections to that. I'm quite for cer- various reasons. I'm quite certainly not going to do that. It's it's also absolutely the kind of thing that would um, make you fall as a knight of thorns. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not going to destroy the community. Um, the uh, other than that, it depends on what sort of. If, if you're going to leave it to its own devices, it depends on what sort of deal you set up with a, any sort of new rulership. Yeah. I mean, you could, for example, just claim a chunk of Pytax's land, then leave them to their own devices. It certainly seems possible. I mean, among other things, they're not doing anything with any of the yeah, northern bits. You could make them some sort of satrapy that's um, uh, a 
allied in Servile to you, but not necessarily a part of Stagthorn kind yeah. of thing. Or I could let them new, new uh, let them let, let the new ruler make him sign a binding treaty, take a bit of the land up north, and yep. leave them to their own devices. Yeah, I mean, you just you you don't really have any context for that, and from all evidence, Irvihi has no plans for a successor. That's like, unsurprisingly, he has no. Um, that, that's well. the other question. I mean, like, it's one thing if a ru- new rulership sets up and Ezra isn't opposed to me, but it's another question of who even would be the successor yeah. because Ezra, he's, he's it. I mean, he doesn't have to because he isn't going to die. Like, I, you don't need a succession plan when you're effectively immortal. Ironically, you doubtlessly have the most legitimate claim to the throne of Phytax. Because Bryn is, because the, is, is of the is royal family. Yes. Um, whether or not you can actually establish that as a... It's it's one of those whether things. That, whether or not that even moves the, whatever passes for the nobility of. I mean, I've never met any of them. Do they even have an aristocracy? Uh, not significantly. No. Yeah. Erovedi uh, is not big on it. Uh, Pytax is more a meritocracy. Yeah. So w- whatever passes, and he doesn't exactly have a big council. No, no, he does not. Um, <laughs> it's it's very self evident that if he were to fall over and die of a rust related heart attack tomorrow. There'd just be no one ruling the city. It's yeah. a one-man show. Um, Bryn doubtlessly has the best claim of anyone, but it's a question of whether you could get the people of Pytax to accept that, and yeah. how easily, and among other things, you could. Tri- it, it would be pretty trivial to claim, this is my girlfriend who was raised in the woods, she's totally the secret daughter of Pytax who survived, and I'm going to verify that by having my high-level clerics cast some divination spells, which will prove it. Yeah, well, among other things, you know, every Stakethorn's policy has always been to take in people who wanted to be taken in. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd have um, we'd have had move on if their price hadn't been so high. And um, you know, with the exception of um, Fort Draylev, we've never conquered anybody, and they offered us some fairly intolerable propagation. And that's the other part is that um, whether like the Valing host. Pytax will be capable of surviving on its own absent the cult lockwork king. Yeah. But it, it'll be down for them. Alright, well, um, Kaelin's not necessarily actually opposed to leaving them to their own devices, because, you know, it's a potential for war, but so is conquering them. Yeah. So is trying to forcibly absorb them. But I think at this stage, that's probably the kind of thing you're going to have to decide after the fact. Yeah. Unless you personally want to go into Pytax and do a lot more investigating about who's, what would happen if... I'm sort of planning that. So, out of character... Yo. Um... I wasn't expecting to win this amount of military victory with so many hexes unexplored. Sure. But I figure that the... the I, I don't really want to try and kick over the anthill and Pytax um, and fight a Rivetti at this stage in the fray. I want to do some more prep. Sure. But I figure that a spoiling raid is a nice way of splitting the difference. So, um, he will doubtlessly respond by building more armies. Invariably, yep. the next hand when he gets, he's going to build, buy, big, borrow, or steal a bunch more armies. Yeah, that's kind of... I, I, I'm aware he'll be able to rebuild from this, because if I was in his shoes and I'd lost half my armies, I would build more. Um, he doesn't have unlimited capacity to do so. If you start burning down his farms and things, what I'll do is functionally just um, subtract money from his from his uh, war build point budget, yeah. rather than track his economy and that sort of thing, as a shorthand method of doing it. Um Secondly, the 
the adventure here for Book 5, War of the River Kingdoms, is pretty obviously war with Pytax. Yeah. There are lots of things in, in his lands that you have not yet explored, but many of them are about the war with Pytax in some fashion or another. Yep. And honestly, you, you must have actually done a reasonable chunk of his land by now. Uh... Maybe not. Uh, yeah, no, I've done... I've done a bit under half. Yeah. That's not too bad. Alright, so, um, alright, what Caleb wants to do... Yep. ...is, um, have the, um, stag runners and the avenging bowmen stand on, um, defence and just kind of stand there in the current, their current hex for a couple of days. Yep. That will give them time to make some, um boost checks to get their hit points back up, or at least endeavour to do so, and let the other two armies walk back down to them. Sure. And then I'm going to, um, like, endeavour to travel south and find something to, um, blow up the Zeravetes. Sure. Which isn't going to be Pytaxia. Um, and I probably am going to go after his farm hexes. Sure. Now, um, we can track this day by day again, like we did previously, or we can just go to a slightly more abstract. I think if we we can track it day by day, but just check the days off, because um, tra- track it day by day and just check the days off while the armies aren't moving, and then go back to day by day movement. Sure. Let me just find... Um, give me an idea where you're going. An idea how many days it's just going to take you to get there. Alright. Um, so... So we've got a mountain hit. So we've got mountain is two days. Two days, yeah. Hill. Or half speed, so. Uh, is. Everything but mountains is, is fine. Okay, so. Hill, grassland. Grassland, so. One, two, three, four, five. Um, totally unknown hex for six. Yep. So I don't know what's in that. What's, what is it? Um, it's F7. It is grassland. Cool. My army's about to find out. With a road running through it. Oh, well that will make things easy. So that's half. So, one, two, three, four, five, five and a half, and then that will take us to E8. So, there is a road running from, um, uh, F7 down to E8 and going out of Cool. Actually, so if there's a road running... So feel free to draw the road in. Yeah. Cool. Actually, if there's a road running through F7, then we'll stop in F7. They'll be heading for F8, but when, sure. when they discover... There, the, sorry, they'll be heading for... Um, no, there, is, there is obviously not a farm in there. It is just a road attacks. Yeah. So, because they can destroy the road. Cause that yes, reduces, yes, they certainly can. That reduces his economy. And slows down his... Um, his army's marching. Although... It, it depends what you're up to. It's only to your advantage to destroy the farms. It's not entirely to your advantage to destroy the roads, roads. if you want to use them. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, no, alright, we will go for you're the... You're right, it harms his economy. But, but it, it also makes, your it, makes it harder for my armies to walk down. Yeah, no, so we'll... Um, so that'll be about six days to get into E8 where the first farm is. Cool, at which point his um, clockwork cavalry is long operational. Um, and that's on top of two days to heal up at the beginning. Yep. So, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. 
That's most of Sarath. Yep. And as it becomes apparent that you are heading back down again, um, he is going to start activating other armies. Yep. Um, at least you will get word the Pytaxian Regiment, the Thousand Men, uh, starting to move as well, along with the Siege Engines. Yep. Which, ironically, are useless to them on the defence. Mm-hmm. My siege engine, on the other hand, is useful to me because I'm attacking. Yep. Although it's only in... Uh, presumably they get the OM bonus for it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, that's all mine's good for. chucking catapults and men is not... Yeah, that's all... Good. Unless I invade Pytax, mine's only good on the... Um, is only good as an OM bonus as well, but... um. Alright, and then I'm just going to check what the guys get for their two days of rest in terms of hit points. So, these stag runners... Um, Eight back. Um, so if they got rest and their loyalty checks, then it's their CR times two, basically. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm checking if they need the loyalty checks. Alright, so the stag runners go. Keeping in mind, they can only get their CR for resting. Yeah. And then if they want more than their CR, they need the loyalty check. Yes, I understand that, sweetheart, but the stag runners get their CR, yes. and then they're only one hit point down from full. Cool. So it's a question... They can then make a loyalty check to try and pick up the remaining hit point, but it was entirely possible, given the way the numbers work, that they wouldn't need. Yep. Alright, and they both make a loyalty check to get their CR again. Bowmen cannot reach full. But they are only slightly injured. Cool. Cool. So everybody is in... Um, it is the um, 28th of Sarinth. Yep. Um, everybody is in um, e- uh, E8, the first farm hex. Yep. And um, if Erevedi's armies have not managed to make it up to meet us... That's like four armies in there, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's his, his clockwork um, His clockwork cavalry are certainly, strong, are certainly activated and fast enough to get up there and fight you, but they really don't want to. Yep. So... Okay. We destroy the farm. Yep. So the goal is that people are, um, like, allowed to gather meager possessions and told yeah, to I, get out of. Yeah, I understand. Yep. Okay, and then, um, so I think it takes us a day to destroy the farm. So that is the farm in E8. Yep. List it as a dead farm on my map. So I remember that it's happened, because if you didn't take control of the kingdom, the farm does not magically reappear. Unless he rebuilds it. Well, yes, but... Yeah. Alright, and then, um, we will, um, move across to D8 on the following day. Cool, yep. And, um, is there a road in that hex, or just a farm? I haven't explored it yet. Uh, D8? There is, in fact, roading in there as well. Cool. So, sorry, E8 was the one, the one I just destroyed the farm in. Yes. Yep. Road goes through there, and down out into, um, in fact, it splits and goes into uh, D8 and E9. 
armies will doubtlessly actually scout through a thing here as well. So if you just pause for a moment, I'll show you what's in a hex, what you can see. Oh, and uh, grassland, grassland, or this is grassland? Yep. I thought it probably was given he's put farm, but of course you can farm hills. Uh, so as your army pass through here, um, they will tell you that there is um, in that's F F eight, I believe, next to the farm you've just burned down. Uh, yes, the Hemlock Hemlock Island. Yes, I yes. know this one. Cool. It, it, it's all I know is that it's there and that it's dangerous. Um, that there is they they can clearly see this sort of water and that sort of thing over there in some sort of island. Uh, when night comes and the army sort of stops and camps, what they see are strange glowing lights over it that remind people who know such things eerily of Candlemere. Oh, lovely. Cool. Good tip. So it is something uh, akin to Candlemere. Cool. Or it's just, you know, a thing that's full of will the wisps wanted to. Yeah. Alright. And then, um, so it takes us, um, half a day, so on the 29th, they march into, um, uh, e eight into D eight. Yep. And have half a day left to begin destroying the farm. Yep. Cool. So the beginning of the thirtieth, they um destroy the farm. Yep. Wreck it, Ralph. All right. And then, as nobody has made a move to stop them, they will go into C eight and have a look at Little Town. <laughs> that should be entertaining. Uh, so that is also roaded. Yep. Uh, it is grassland as well. Yep. It is turning into forest on the uh, westernmost edge. Sure. And there are rivers running through it. Cool. Where do the rivers run to? I see where they run from. So I believe you've got the one where Elora Rusk's camp was. Um, I've got the, yeah, Alora's camp and then going down into D7 yep. and then I can see where it flows in. It runs down there. I can do a little map if you'd rather. Oh, I'm perfectly happy for you just to tell me. Okay, so it runs down there. It goes out the southeastern edge into D9. Southeastern edge into D9. Ah, yes, I see. So it runs sort of down there. Cool. And, and it also splits and then runs west into B8. Yep. Yep. Running into the forest of a thousand voices. Oh, cool. Is that where the thousand voice forest is? Yep. Cool. And um, where's Littleton in the hex? Uh, it is right down... It is where the Three Rivers Fork come, which is towards the bottom southeastern corner. Okay. My armies march in and potentially occupy Littletown. It depends on what kind of a Opposition they put up and how well defended they are. Yeah. So, um, when you march towards Littleton, it becomes very obvious that there is not going to be a lot in the way of armed resistance coming out of this town. Um, it's a shithole, not to put too fine a point on it. Um, it is actually, there are walls here, but they are broken and just have gaping holes in them. Um, there are buildings which are also 
broken and wrecked. This is not so much a village as a shanty town. Right, yeah. Um, there are definitely people living in here, because I assume your army's just kind of marching in. Yeah. There's no armed resistance to prevent them yeah. immediately just rolling through the walls and occupying the town. Or rather, I- enough that you're going to, you know, either roll them over or parlay very briefly with them, one yeah. or two. You don't so much have an army is here to greet you as a group of, you know, crudely armed men and women come out yeah. and wave implements at you kind of thing. I know at least one of my, um, one of our towns was occupied by a relatively civilized foe. I think that was Drayleaf Con- right, conquered Elsrest for a little while while I was out of town at the yeah. Brushlight Tournament. And, you know, till we drove him off. And, you know, he didn't really go around burning it down the way the trolls kind of rampage around breaking things. He was just kind of, you know, here to take over this town, which was going to be his soon style of thing. So I think, you know, our people just kind of, you know, be smart boys as a vast army marches in. And the, um, you know, I imagine the token militia decide that wisdom is the better part of valor. However, if it is a shanty town, he may not be very inclined to come out and um, contest me for her. But nonetheless, that takes us into the um, first day of Aristus. So, when you march upon the town, um, there is... This really very much depends how you approach it. Um, so armed resistance comes out in the form of less an army and more a string of random people, men and women. Several of them holding moderate quality weapons, several of them holding fry pans and things of that neighbourhood. And they do not appear to be quite civilised enough to have the parlay concept or anything like that. A couple of them walk out the front to speak to your army commanders. Um, and... Sir Frederick, that would be Sir, Sir Frederick March, March, Paladin of Aristotle. Yep. So I think he's Who going will to... not be massacring them. Yeah, I think he's going to take the softly, softly approach here. So do you want to do some sort of um, negotiations or role-playing as him, or do you just want to shorthand it? Uh, I think this is a fun opportunity. So yeah, Sir Frederick March, he's got an impressive moustache, doesn't yep, he? he does. <laughs> Spiffing. Yeah. And I'd imagine he'll get... He, of course, rides a horse everywhere because he's a cavalry commander, but I imagine he'll get off his horse. What you get is a bunch of um, vaguely scared-looking people. Um, and then... Their sort, their sort of leader is a really quite short... Um, he's, he's human, but he's you know five foot, so he's sort of dwarfish height. Um, not particularly squat, not particularly physically looking impressive guy, but everyone around him sort of gives him a bit of space. He's got this very aggro scrapper vibe about him. And he comes up to you, comes up to Frederick March and sort of, you know, looks at what's happening here, sees the vast army, um, is going to put his club away, you know, and sort of approach March. And March will, of course, have no weapons out yeah. at all, although he is, you know, I don't think festooned with him, but he'll definitely have, I would imagine, an Eldori longsword. Does he fight with one, or some kind of sword? I remember, I think he's an Eldori longsword. Yeah, it's, it seems like, yeah. you know, he's a Bravoy nobleman, it seems like. So he's got his Eldori longsword, probably some kind of longbow, and, uh, and some nice armour and stuff. And all these people look ragged. This yeah. is not a deeply civilised community, they're all just kind of living on the bones of their arse to varying degrees. Yeah. And this man 
walks up to you and he goes, You'll be from you. You will be from Stagthorn then. That's correct. It. My name is Sir Frederick March. Commanding. He gestures as the army, the other army, the other army. That is a big army. Uh, several, in fact. I am Volta. He sort of gives your hand a shake. The guy is, um, by no strict imagination, a fetid sewage roll, but he's just not well washed or civilized or anything. I don't yeah. imagine March bothers no, 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 in the no, slightest. No. And this well, what do you want here, Sir Frederick March? You see what Littleton has to offer. Your war with your war with Ravetti, we know of. It is not our war with Ravetti. We are not citizens of Pytax. You, you are not? I, I, I confess I rather thought you were. Do you see the Clockwork King's clockwork patrols here? Do you see his walls? Do you see his army? Do you see his laws? No, I, ha- I have to say I do not. But uh, we haven't extended down this way. We only um, we had only rumours that there was a town here. In the time of his father, well, now there was a man. Littleton was a part of the kingdom of Pytax, but Castruccio Irvetti has become a man we do not wish to serve. His laws and his streets and his ways. You have not been to Pythaxia? I have not. Some people say it is beautiful, clean, orderly, precise. Some people say it is a tyranny, where there are clockwork men on every street corner watching to see if you break the law, watching to see if you will need to be corrected for the greater good of society. This is little then. The people who do not want to be a part of that society are here, living on what little we have. What of the farms surrounding this area? Are they yours or do they belong to the Kingdom of Pytax? They are the Kingdom of Pytaxes. If we raid them, Clockwork Hammer comes down. Well, if you are not um, citizens of Pytax, then we are not at war, our people are not at war with yours. Uh, our armies have uh, marched, uh, marched a lot already. Um, I would say we can, if, if we have your permission, we will bivouac gestures to feel, you know, the fields to the south of the town out, out there and uh, be on our way in the morning. I would really rather you did not. What if Erevetti's armies come here looking for you and do not want war on our doorstep, but there's no matter of stopping you. Well... Where does that road extend to? Uh, there's a road into Littleton. Is there a road back out of Littleton? Uh, no, in fact, it only goes one way in. Right. Um, well... Because effectively, hexes are either roaded entirely or they are not. Uh, so, in fact... No, I need to take that back because um, D9 has roads in it as well. So there are roads going from Littleton into there. Cool, excellent. That's what I was looking for. Well, I believe... In that case, I could oblige you. Uh, let us say an hour to rest, and wa- uh, an hour or two to rest and water the horses at the river, and um, we'll um, be on our way, and we'll be on our way south. Done. 
And um, we'll have um, our people over there and your people over here, so there's no misunderstandings. If we stay well outside the town... These are not my people. A little dinner's free. If the people that live in your town... I'll see what they can do. Good. And everybody moves a um, distant south. Yeah. So... It's it's readily apparent there's kind of this really weird setup here, where Iriveti has this shanty town that is uh, literally uh, almost less than a day's ride from Pytaxia. Yeah, it used to be a part of the Pytax Kingdom. Um, you know, Volta can give you some sort of information on this. When the time, uh, it's it's very much around the time that Iriveti changes to the Clockwork King. You know, a year or so after that. Um, he a year or so after that he establishes a bunch of new rules and things in Pytaxia and um, uh, functionally Littleton revolts and he just runs it over yeah, and breaks their walls, breaks their buildings doesn't slaughter the people and then just leaves it be yeah. and effectively what you've got now is all the people that want to live in a society of law and order go to live in Pytaxia and all the people that are unwilling to comply with Eravidi's rules get booted out and come here where they receive no support of any kind from him. Nor are they paying taxes or anything of the sort. And yeah. You, you blatantly have the capacity... There is actually an army here. It's just a piteous one. It's yeah. like a 50-man army. If you want to take Littleton, they will very much, very likely surrender to you rather than fight because it's just going to be a one-sided slaughter. But there is no resistance worth speaking of here, and the same is true for Irobeni. If he wanted this, he would just take it. Yeah, so but he clearly doesn't want it. Yeah, but um, the thing is that um, there'd be no point in me taking it because I don't. I, I haven't claimed any of the Pytaxian hexes. I don't yes. have any way to exert my rulers for myself. Yes, and um, you know, it's um, you know. If you've got if you've got several thousand man strong armies, it's embarrassing to fight fifty guys who mostly have fry pans, and you should be ashamed of yourself if you but, do. But effectively, the and the, particularly because they're not Pytaxian, it would be a different matter if they were Pytaxian. Well, I mean, I know they're lapsed Pytaxian, but the thing is, they're not they're not a target that Drelev wants to protect. No, yeah, the thing is, they are they they are or were Pytaxian citizens. Several of them, you know, comparatively recent. It's not yeah. that this is a, people that have been living here for a generation. It's people that refuse to live by Pytax's law get kicked out to here. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a relationship of some kind and things happening. Here. Yeah, and I think this sounds like the sort of thing. This sounds like a job for a PC to investigate. It does, doesn't it? But um, that, but for the moment, what I'm going to do is not stomp all over it with my armies. And um, that being the case, we spend that day yeah. walking through, walking into Littleton and yeah. then walking back out of Littleton. And presuming that Volta is telling you the truth, there's actually very little incentive for you to stop over it with your armies. You'll take it, you'll lose a couple of men doing it, but you won't inconvenience Pytax in the slightest, who are putting no resource into this at all. Yeah, and I feel good that I'm not burning this straight in communities, farms and fisheries and things. Speaking of fisheries... Yep. Um, we head south into D9... Where you will find a fishery. Yep. Mm-hmm. And a road? Yep. Road, river, fishery. Cool. Where does the river run? Uh, to D10. Cool, so straight through. Is the... Um... And road's running into D10, uh, C10 and D10. Cool. And um, uh, E9. So E9. 
all this area is quite heavily eroded and comparatively industrialised. Yeah, it's um, he's basically got all his farms and fisheries and things in it. Yeah, he's got he's got he's got, he's got nice roads up around his farms and fisheries. A lot more effort than I've put in in that regard. What what terrain is it? Is that grassland as well? All grassland is Glizzleton as well. Uh, yes. Cool. So those are grassland hexes as well. All right. Um, and um, we you know march into that hex, and then on the next day we get a stability check. Get a stability check. Yes. Okay. Right. Uh, we do not make set stability check. If the army's had enough. Cool. No, they have not. Um, what you are not receiving word of is what Rebecca and Co are doing. Cool. So when you go in and basically uh, are very much in the beginnings of mounting your attacks on this, this yep. fishery. Yep. Or at this point, it's a string of fisheries rather yep. than one single thing. Uh, then you will start to get word from your scouts that Pytex's armies are coming. Yep. Um Moreover, that they are actively going to be upon you at this point. Yep. Um, the Clockwork Cavalry and the Pytaxian Regiment are both coming. Okay. And at that point, it is too late for us to do anything about that because we had didn't get word in advance. Uh, you. We all presumably need to fight them. Yeah. So you do not get any opportunity to move away from the fishery. To to sorry. You do not get any opportunity to burn the fishery down yep. before you start. Um, however, their armies are coming for you, and because you haven't had to move this turn, yep. you have sufficient word that you can move out of the way or whatever. But effectively, the response is up. His armies are active. They are coming for you. Yeah. question is, what do I do about that? Because at this point, I've achieved another tactical victory. Yep. A, a relatively minor one, but I've scouted out down yeah, here yeah. and blown up some yeah. farms. At, at this point, his defences are up, his armies are moving, you can choose to either fight or um, or book, basically. I think at this point I'm going to book. Sure. Because I've had another... I could try and take his last two armies, and I might well be able to... Oh no, actually, hang on. No, this is exactly... No, I am going to fight, because I've managed to lure his armies out onto ground that is relatively defensive. This is later in the... Longer than I expected before getting to the fight, but um, I've managed to lure his armies out on ground that's relatively low in defense, which was my goal. Well, some of his armies. Presumably he still hasn't committed them all, but... This is a good opportunity, and I want to take it. Sure. Cool. And, you know... We'll doubtless take some damage doing so, but we can still turn around and endeavour to walk away. We can still at least potentially endeavour to walk away. So, to war. There is the um, leader of Littleton. Ah, so. uh, yep. <laughs> He's the leader they don't have, like Granny Weatherwax. Well, it's kind of... Um, I don't know that March would get this context, but it's it's almost... He's closer to a crime boss than a leader, per yeah. se. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's um. At best, he's Robin Hood, who is you know. Do you know about um, Freedom Town? It comes up a bit in the Player's Guide for Giant Slayer. Not particularly. Because uh, True Now's the independent human community. Yeah. Freedom Town's the other human community, whereas True Now survives by wits and steel. They survive by paying orc warlords and you know generally being criminal scum, and it's a it's a hive of scum. The whole town is just a hive of scum and villainy. But, you know, they don't have to worry so much about being invaded by orcs because they're more trouble than they're worth. <laughs> well, the true now ones are, too, but in a different way. Okay, so... Uh, you can put the Pytaxian Regiment and the Clockwork Cavalry on the map? Yep. Uh, presumably on top of me. Pretty much. Although I'll put them in a pile and into Jason Hicks because there's only so many armies I can pile up in one square. March gets word that these... The Clockwork Cavalry and a thousand men are coming for him and presumably ceases operations and starts forming up his defences. Yeah, everyone gets... I mean, we were explicitly trying to provoke him, so yep. we're not, you know... It's super surprise. Uh, super surprise when it works, particularly no, as I we're mean, now edging significantly closer to Pytax. It's only a question of... The questions are whether he engages you and when. Yeah. You know, well, and, he's done very similar to what I did when this tactic was tried on me. He's... Let, let it go to see it for a while to see if I'll let it go and to wait until I get close enough to his city that it's easier for him to pounce and now that I'm close enough to Pytaxia it's easier to get the armies out there without exposing it not necessarily true actually um, he's um, wanted to send more than just the one army to fight all four of yours right, so yes. he's needed to wait till the second one's activated yes that makes sense as well because, because, you're of... operating, because it's not that he's seen you coming from some distance away yeah it's that you're taking advantage of your victories to keep rolling. Yes. Cool. So speaking of rolling... Initiative time? Yep. Alright. Relative. Uh, the armor sheet. Yeah. Alright. Alright, so... The... Clockwork army lose. Yeah, because they don't really... Do uh, initiative. They cannot make morale checks, nor can they change um, tactics. Tactics. Yep. Okay. The stag runners are on a twelve. They've had a long month. Cool. Uh, the Pataxian regiment are on a ten. It's just possible that they don't want to fight um, this many armies because I have um, two thousand men just in my two big armies. Yep. Um, although you know my guys are a bit tighter, but. Um, the, um, okay, the, um, Avenging Bowmen are on a 25 for morale. Sure. They're feeling pretty good. Despite having had a pretty rough, rough month, they're feeling pretty good. The Hooves of Thunder are on a 12 morale. Yep. They're, um, still feeling they dodged a bullet in the last encounter, aren't necessarily super happy. And, um, Aurori's Runners are on a 15 morale. Cool. So, either it's all of yours and yep. them. Sweet. Okay, so the Clockwork Cavalry only have one tactic, don't they? Correct, they are at standard permanently. Sweet. Um, so your Tristan's worked this one out. Um, they can't route. Yeah. Uh, nor can they be inspired. If you had certain special effects like fear, they wouldn't work on them either. Yeah. Um, but the upside being, the downside's being they can't change tactics, and they presumably don't heal normally. Yeah. Alright, um, and, um, what are the Pytaxi so what are the Pytaxian regiment doing? Uh so look at what's going on here, they're gonna go defensive. Sure. Or cautious rather. 
Cautious. Yes, first tier. Alright. The stag runners will start out at normal. Yep. People tend not to hit them. Uh, the Hooves of Thunder will start out at Cautious. Nobody likes the Bards for some reason. Actually, just remembering the thing they've got, they'll stay at um, Standard. Right, yep. You're welcome to alter appropriately if it makes any difference to you. No, it does not. Um, the um, Bowman in will start at Normal as well, at least for the first round. Mm-hmm. And Aurori's runners will also start at normal because they have dirty fighters and they want to get their one hit in while the hitting's good. Sure. However, they're going to go to cautious so fast it will make your head spin next round. Alright. Um, okay, and everybody who is, who's of thunder gets a plus one to their OM and DV because of their um, bard bonus. Let's put plus one B for now. Later. Cool. And um, we begin with the range round? Yes, indeed. Cool. Aurori's runners um, shoot at people with their um, shuriken. (laughs) Crossbows. Shurabows. And they are going to shoot at the Pytaxians. Sure. That is a... um, 23. That will hit them. Cool. They then activate sniper support and do them an additional 2 damage. And cool. have used that. Yep. Um, then the Avenging Bowman will also shoot the Pytaxians. Yep. Um, they will get a 20. Uh, no. Okay. And they will not activate 20 sniper support on account of not hitting. Yep. Um, the Hooves of Thunder will also shoot the Pytaxians because they're getting in when the getting's good. And they will flat miss without me needing to add it up. Cool. Um, and then the Stag Runners will stand there and look majestic because they have nothing resembling range. Cool. So, the Pytaxian regiment responds by letting fly with some of their siege engines. Yep. The massive catapults. They're not terribly effective at a, um, as as ranged weapons per se, but you know each one's going to knock off ten soldiers. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, but then on top of that, they also have a string of bows and things. Yep. Um, the Clockwork Cavalry have heavy repeating crossbows, and they just roll in machine like. Yep. <laughs> so both of them have a ranged round. Yep. So who are the Pytaxians shooting? The Aurori's runners, both of them. Uh, okay. Yep. That'd be a painful round. Uh, so, I need to distinguish my dice. Uh, so, the Pytaxian Regiment uh, have a 25 to hit them. Ouch. Alright. Um, okay. Oh, no, my apologies. Um, substantively more. Shit. A 31 to hit them. Oh, shit. They are dirty fighters. Oh. Well, yeah, so do, do they get fighters. that? Do they get that on the bow round as well? Uh, do, does the does the dirty fighters is, apply to the range? Uh, I thought it was only on the melee round, I but I might be wrong. On the bow round. Hold on, yeah. um, it's it just I want to as well. Um, uh, first round of the melee phase, you're quite right. So twenty-five. Sweet. Okay. Well, that's 
Less. No, that's that's why they're staying at standard so they can take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah, because they still get to use it, but yep. they get to use it yep. on their um uh melee thing. Okay, so And then two extra damage from sniper support. Yep, okay, so they take nine damage, um which is very painful for a starting round, but I wouldn't be so worried about it except for all the other Yep, okay. Uh, but they don't route yet and the um then the um Clockwork guys shoot them as well. And Rory's runners are not mounted, are they? They are not mounted. So that is a 29 to hit them. Okay, so, sorry, you said a 25 before. That, sorry, the Pytaxian regiment hit them for a 25. Oh, right, plus these two guys. extra damage. Yep, these the guys. The Clockwork cavalry, who garner in cavalry experts bonus against non mounted foes, yep. um, hit them for a 29. Yep, alright, so. Yep, and that's another 11 points of damage. Alright. Alright, um, okay, so what's the route number? Uh, 25% of the hit points. Uh, okay, so... So what's their total hit points? Uh, their total hit points is 13, and they're on 11 now. Right, so they've lost two hit points this round? Uh, th- sorry, their total hit points is 31, and they're on 11 now? Right. So they're a third of the headphones, not a quarter. Okay, yep. So they don't automatically no, route They're yet. not forced to route. Yep, okay. And that's the range round. Yep. Anyway, they have to hang into the melee round. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> melee round. But I was thinking if they took enough damage, they might try and route... Like, they presumably route before the melee round even... Try and route before the melee round no, even no, starts. No, that's not true. Yeah, okay. For better or for worse. Oh, yeah. To the extent that you cannot route now... You cannot flee as your action. Here, yeah, you which... play out the round. Yeah, all right. Okay, well, if they're going to go down fighting, which seems like a distinct possibility, they will go down fighting, and um, Aurori's runners will take a shot at the... Um, regiment. At the regiment, yes. Nope. Alright, and they have their dirty fighters. And they critical. Indeed they do. So that add, add six to that, and then give me a grand total. Yep, so that is 20 plus 7 plus 1 plus 6. So that is 34. Cool, and then an extra d4 on top of that. Yep. Uh, and it's max, so that's another 4 points. So 38, effectively, is a whopping big pile of damage. Yep. Yep. So the Pytaxian Regiment have fired a heavy barrage of bow shots and catapult shots and then move in behind the catapult and devastation, then find they're now in melee with monks. Yep, and the monks kick them in the head repeatedly. Yep. But it's partly, you know, revenge because so many of the monks are actually already being shot down. fists. Yep. Yep, but the remaining monks are even more deadly now. There's less of them. Yeah, the inverse Alright, and then... Um, it's hot to death that you know what adverse ninja lore is. And then the bowmen. Yep. I, th- I think this might be a short and incredibly brutal combat as both sides might be losing armies here. <laughs> In round one, no less. Alright, and the bowmen will try and shoot some folk. Okay, and that is a... They're shooting the Pytaxians as yep, well. Yep. Yeah, alright, so 22, 
Um, and that's a 23 to hit the Pytax ends. Cool. Uh, that's light damage again. Yep. And they activate their sniper support because they didn't hit in the other round. Cool. Cool. And the Hooves of Thunder yep. will endeavour to mount an attack on the Pytaxians. Um, and flatness again. Cool. They're here to provide buff bonuses. Yep. And then the Stag Runners will mount a large attack on the Pytaxians, but they will probably flatten this, but I'll just add it up because they do have a very nice button. The, are the Pytaxians mounted? No. Cool. Uh, they are just a big old group of people with siege engines. But nonetheless, I presume a 16 is not going to do it. You would assume correctly. Yeah, the stag runners are just... Um, I, I think they've galloped a bit at far afield and are not really succeeding in coming to grips with these guys. Okay, so they flat miss, and then it is the Pytax Regiment's turn. These are the guys led by General Jurg, who's um, Norvetti's general. Ah, yep. Is he? He's not a construct, is he? That's the joy of um, that's the joy of tyranny. It doesn't have to hide this shit. Um, general Avanash Jurg does not appear to be a person of any sort at all, and he's clearly not a clockwork construct. He is a, an enormous, giant-sized person with bright red skin. He's a demon of some kind? And wearing very orientalist looking armor. He's an Oni? He is an Oni. Oh my goodness. Oh, fuck that shit. Because Eravetti has a weird collection of crap working for him in his yep. elite circle because the one thing he is not is prejudice. That's completely true. <laughs> he will accept anything. Yeah. Like his inner council is a were rat, um, an Oni. As far as you can tell, Villamore Koth is... You, you're theorizing Villamore Koth is also a construct. Right? Mm-hmm. I think that's about it for what he's got. Yeah, but that's an interesting collection of... De- it's kind of like the... It's the it's the Nega Kalen. Yes, yes, it is. He embraces all the evil races. Yeah. That's not actually intentional, because you can see the pictures in there. But yeah. But... Um, it's still funny. It, the other one is... Um, I'm kind of presuming this is one of the guys who got out just before the Jade Regent it's noise went uh, when Munkai became just an unhealthy place for the Oni generally. Uh, he is the um, he's the Oni equivalent of Sakutsu Sanaka. Yeah. yeah the, this new Empress is all good and law-abiding and inconveniently Oni prejudiced for some reason, like we murdered her family or something. And he goes here and says to everybody, hey, I'm good at tactics. And everybody's like, that will prove useful. <laughs> yeah. And technically the fourth guy's abandoned if you ignore the fact that the fourth guy's only in here because he's been not constructed. Well, I guess he's just an army commander, not an actual counsellor. In any case, it's Pytax's regiment turn. Sorry, I didn't follow the last point at all. Um, it's the Pytax's regiment's turn to attack. I didn't follow the thing about who was an army commander. Oh, I was just realising the leader of the River Raisers is only an army commander and thus yes, not... Yes, yes, he is not a counsellor. Yeah. Marlin. Yes, Marlin. Uh, so, Pytax Regiment are going to crushulate the um, Eurovidi's runners. Yeah, they're already the, the runners. So. I knew they were going to do that. Uh, crushulate them, they will. This was a really good time for you to roll two ones in a row. 29. Now they get the dirty fighters. Yep. No sniper support this time. Okay, and um, that's that. The Rory's runners are wiped out. Yes. Cool. Do we want to find out what happened? To their leader? Yeah, but I really hope Tusky makes it. Can you roll this dice? I don't want to be responsible for this. Sure. Well, and be captured, Tusky. Or escape, you're fast. Uh, 
I just need to work out whether I've rolled 50% or 5% because it's kind of relevant. Uh, and it is, in fact, 50, which is captured. Yes! So Tusky Thunderfist is dragged away. Cool, which means because I'm fighting a nice guy, he'll be imprisoned in a nice friendly dungeon where he can hang out with Keston Garrus, who's no locked up, bored off his nut, and would appreciate the company. Yes! Yeah, just Tusky and Keston have so much to talk about. Fucking they're the only two dudes in their cell block. It's true. <laughs> Anyway, Tusky can make friends with anybody. That's true. Alright, so I lose an army. Um, I don't know if you want to do... Let's worry about that after the fact. Yeah. Interrupting the middle of the fight. Cool, I've drawn a big cross over them that, um, yep. Cool. It was a terrible, terrible idea not to put them into cautious. Although, honestly, that would have given them six hit points at this point, at which point I kind of assumed the, um, unless the Clockwork Cavalry would indeed have just immediately followed up by attacking them again. And even if the Clockwork Cavalry missed, they've then got to get back out again. They've they've clearly planned these tactics in advance, and they're going deliberately for your fast mobile army to start with. Yeah. Alright, the Aurori's runners are destroyed. Yep. And are off the battlefield, and the Clockwork Army are now going to have to pick a different uh, opponent because there's no more monks. They will switch to your Bardic Hooves of Thunder. Yep, I figured that was happening, that's why they started with Cautious. Uh, they, however, are not dirty fighters. <laughs> um, and roll the mighty 17. Okay, um, that will not hit the Hooves of Thunder. Correct. Cool. Yeah, it was the dirty fighting. The, um, although, you know, because that, that wouldn't even have hit the Aurori's runners, but it would have only saved them for one more, it would only have saved them for one more round, at which point it would have been a real question of whether they could get out. Alright, and then... And that's a vicious start to the combat. Around we go, presuming nobody is routing. Uh, no, because nobody's injured, uh, one guy's dead. It's too late to route when you're dead. Well, yes, but you can still do the, hmm, we don't have enough people here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we did get an army just wiped out. Um. And vice versa for them, because the Pythaxian regiment is certainly bloodied. Yeah. Um, so, what's going to happen here yep. is the Hooves of Thunder are going to withdraw in an orderly fashion. Sure. No. No, they've got Defense Wall. No, they're going to stick in it for this round. Ra- they're going to stick in it for another day. Another round, because this is only the morning. Yep. Yep, no, that's right. They're going to stick with it. Cool. Cool. Okay, then morale checks again. Yes. The stag runners are um ten is what you're opposing, so just okay. go higher or lower than ten. Alright, the avenging bowmen are um made ten exactly. Yep. Uh at which point they will doubtlessly lose to Jerg, who has a very high charisma indeed, I would uh, imagine. Uh, I've got a um four charisma or a plus five morale bonus. So five morale? Yeah. Okay, so you win that on account of being a PC? Yep. Yeah, because I've got a Eugenia Veridu on that yep. army. Yep. Yeah. But yes, Jurg is a highly competent, charismatic commander. Yeah. And um, the Hoos of Thunder... They just can't roll for shit. Yeah. Uh, at the bottom. Cool. They see which way this is going. They're not daft. Cool. 
So, starting with the Hooves of Thunder. Yep. What's their status? So, tell me about Defensive Wall. Uh, defensive Wall is... Uh, you can apply this tactic over and above anything else you're doing, and it's minus one offense, plus two defense. Cool. Um, so, the Hooves of Thunder are going to put up Defensive Wall. Yep. So effectively, it's better than being cautious because you're less penalised and um, yeah. you can be cautious as well because that's your expertise. Yeah. So, um, and they're going to stack that with cautious. Cool. Yep. So that is... Minus three offence, plus four defence. Yep. Yeah. Minus three, um, plus four. Cool. The Pytaxian Regiment are going to go defensive. Right. Did they start... They, that's right. They changed they, the minus start of that as normal. Yep. Um, the bowmen and the stag runners are going to stay at n- normal. Cool, go to. Alright, and um, the stag runners are going to hit the Pytaxian regiment, yep. or at least endeavour to do so. Uh, that's a bit of a better number. Who uh, are not mounted? No. Last time, but I'll try and remember this time. Okay, there's lots of armies, it's hard to keep track of. 30. Oof, that's a nice solid hit. Yeah, they rolled well. Um, the bowmen will also hit them. No, well, sorry, they will roll, yep. but um, that doesn't look so good. Right. Um, now that's an 18. Yep. That will miss their cautious defences. Yep, and then it's the Pytaxian's turn. Who are going to go for the Hoof of Thunder again. Yep. Uh, with a 20 to hit them. Uh, that will miss. Cool. And the... Uh, having missed, the Clockwork Cavalry will actually switch up targets. They yep. can go for the um, non-mounted ones. Yeah, that's fine. The bowmen. Yep. Yep. They're significantly easier to hit now that the centaurs are critical. But that's not good. Uh, so that is... I don't know why that rule exists where you crit anyway, because you're always going to hit your ACs on the Yeah, seats. yeah. Um, so that is 23. Uh, with the extra D4 added in, that's functionally a 33. Okay, because you're just adding that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Fine. They've rolled a 20, I've added 3 from the D4. Alright. All right. These guys have a bit more hit points and are only slightly damaged, but that is a nice, good, solid, vicious blow on them. Yep. And, does, and they are now moderately injured. And um, then it's the Hoops of Thunder. Sure, and I'm totally going to remember that the um, that the Clockwork Cavalry have this capacity, and their implacable nature intimidates the Hooves of Thunder as they use their taunt capacity at the start of the round. Okay, yep. Um, they need to make a morale check first, the Hooves of Thunder. Okay. At a difficulty of uh, 19. They don't make it. Okay, so they are shaken, minus two offense. Cool. Minus two defense too, but... Yep, so they shoot at the um, regular guys, yep. the Pytaxians. Um, that's actually a relatively good roll, so I'll add it up, but I can't imagine they hit with all their various penalties. No. Yeah, no. Before you start taking the penalties, you miss them. Yep, okay, sweet. So, and then I take a bunch of penalties. Yep, so those are fun to miss. Cool. Uh, 
then that is that. Yep. Round we go again. Anyone routing? Uh, no, no one's routing. How badly are the um, Pytaxians doing? Uh, they are bloodied, but not close to routing yet. Right. Um, to the extent that... Um, Given this was their planned outcome, uh, what I will do is I will um, make that taunt at the stag runners instead. Yeah. Um, and get them to make a morale check because the Pytaxian regiment are about to retreat. Right, yep. Okay. Um, uh, the. Um, 19 difficulty. They make the morale check. Cool, so they're not shaken. Yeah. Uh, the Pytaxian regiment begins to retreat. Right, okay. So they are in, intentionally routing, basically, and provoke from everyone in the process. Cool. So they get, I get another shot on them with each army? Yep. Okay, or just the ranged guys? Uh, everyone. Cool. All right. The sta- uh, so it's just more How close are your armies to falling apart? Um, the Hooves of Thunder are uninjured. Yep. Um, the um, Bowmen are... Um, a little bit over half, nearly yep. bloodied, yep. and the stag runners are uninjured because no one ever attacks them. Cool. So in that case, um, both armies are going to rout okay. and retreat, which means it potentially divides the forces. Correct. Yeah. Uh, if you they provoke three attacks of opportunity, divide it up however you like. Cool. And I'm going to try and hit all three on, on the, the regiment. Yeah, uh, the regiment. Cool. So the stag runners will take a shot at the regiment. Yep. And roll well. Um, however, if I destroy the army or the other guy, I'll hit the other army on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 alright, so. Um, no, you're allowed to change your targets as a result of killing people in the face. Yeah, alright, so um, that's a 32 from the stag runners. Bang, yep, that is a nasty, nasty blow, but they're not out yet. Cool, and the avenging bowman will try and follow it up by actually hitting. Uh, no, they're, um,. Yep. Having a bit of a stress over the horribly injured, and the Hooves of Thunder um, are not taunted, so it's just a minus three. Yeah, no, but the, the, if a 20 won't hit them, then they don't hit them. Yep. So it's going to be less than that. Cool. So both armies begin to retreat. Yep. And indeed disengage. Okay. All right, and that was one day's fighting. Yes, we, we had two rounds. Yep. So we cross off Star Day. Yep. Or his runners are killed, which is bad. All right, and we worked this out the last time. So they retreat into the next X, don't they? Yep, they retreat into the next X. What's this? Did A B. Avenging Bowman. Right. Everybody was standing on this um, fishery here. Yes, cool. So they head to here. Cool. Okay. And then we're back in our. I think we'll do all the armies and then worry about your losses and yep. stats and things. Okay, so on Sunday. Yep. We destroy the fishery. Yep. Um, 
And um, then the next day, the armies begin heading north. Cool. The armies pull up. The clockwork cavalry and the Pytaxian regiment continue to retreat on the Sunday back into Pytaxia. Yep. Where they sort of wait a bit, and are you effectively exiting combat? Oh, yeah, I'm exiting combat. Cool. Nobody endeavours to stop you as you leave. Cool. So, your grand total there was um, two farms and a fishery? Uh. Functionally the same thing? Uh, yes, two farms and a fishery. Cool. But the army was a bit. Uh, I completely accept that it's fair enough that, that um, given the number of hits that I killed, that I lose one, but it is a high price to pay from. Um, it means it, 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 while it was still probably worth doing, it was a bit of a painful blow. On the other hand, I have a better understanding of what his armies are about. Uh, and then you lose stats from your defeated yes. army. So, a couple of things happen here. Yep. So, my guys had ranged weapons and healing potions. Yep. Now, these, their, victor- their victorious army would normally get to loot them. Yep. Do they still get to loot them, given they subsequently had to run away and abandon the battlefield to my army? Uh, I believe so. Let me just... Because um... it's legitimate, because they could pick them up at the time. I don't think they get, like, the ranged and healing potions so much as my army loses them and they get random loot. Yep. Uh, your army is defeated. Yeah. And offers up its CR and build points to the victors. Um, I'm not doing that because I'm not measuring your ability stats properly. Sweet, so I don't he know. Just, he just gets a small bonus in his war budget, basically. Yeah, I, I figured I'm letting you know that he has that war budget bonus but, available. But those units are functionally destroyed. Your other armies cannot pick them up. Yeah, I know that my armies can't pick them up. I was just checking if I could deny them to pay taxes because... Um, Normally, the victorious army claims the battlefield, but that didn't happen here. But I think that's perfectly legitimate because you know no, we're talking I mean, about army. The theory is you're talking about several hours worth of fighting here. Yeah. All right, and then all my kingdom stats drop by one as I take a permanent penalty. Yep. Um, so I'm just doing that. So by one. I thought it was by one, but perhaps I got that wrong. That uh, depends on the size of your army. Ah, right, how sorry. Big the, uh, how big's their army? Uh, well, um, let me finish doing the one, because I was halfway through it, and then I'll do, do it more if it's more. Alright, um, okay. I think possibly you haven't lost an army since the smaller ones. Yeah, um, they're a huge-sized army. So that's four economy, two loyalty, two stability. Ugh. Yep. Alright. Which, in fairness, is like a building. Um, okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I um, can't think of a four economy building offhand, but um, perhaps there's one I haven't built yet. But no, I mean, it's um, it means the penalties are worse for Ravetti and he's lost more armies. Alright, um, okay. So. so that was four economy, two, 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 loyalty, two, two stability. Cool. No, that's that's fair. You would need multiple little buildings to have that. So you're talking about like 18 build points worth of um, yeah. stat penalties. Yeah, it's still you know recoverable. It's just a um, nasty blow, but that's fair enough because it is a significantly bigger and better army than yeah, it was yeah, losing, the last time. Losing. And I think um, the last time I lost the bowman, I possibly didn't mention what I was doing stat wise, and I got off with an unnecessarily light penalty. But I'm not going back and trying to retrograde fair, that. Fair. Losing bigger armies costs you more because effectively that's 500 people that aren't coming back and slotting into their jobs again. Kind yeah, of thing. it's it's very sad. All right. Okay. Um, 
And um, I now, as we entered the start of Aristus, um, so Carolyn didn't go adventuring that month. Because of the gigantic string of murderous battles? (laughs) The gigantic string of murderous battles. Um, And um, we are now effectively in Aristus. Aristus begins as um, the giant pitch battle finishes and then the armies march home. Yep. So we could potentially do a kingdom turn, but I don't know how late it's... Yeah, it's actually getting relatively late, so we may want to leave it there as the Aurori's runners are struck down, and, yep. and it Kaelin, becomes clear that while we've won a great victory, Dreyliv's going to be a tougher nut to crack. Caelan contemplates his enemy, Irovetti, rather than Dreyliv. Yeah, sorry. Um, and considers the victories he has gained, the losses he has suffered, and all the things he has learned from this and hears the thing that every adventurer longs to hear a small ding noise oh score and everybody levels between sessions yay will Caelan now be strong enough to face the clockwork king in mortal combat dun 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 Surely we need the Mortal Kombat theme music. It's the Clockwork Gears version, though. It's... Irovetti. Caelan. Brynhilda. Mortal Kombat. Dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun.